You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Today I, I have the privilege of introducing our guest that's going to be bringing the word, Pastor Marcus Elgin. Marcus and Star are actually a part of our Grace Covenant family. This is what I love about Marcus and Star. They're, they've come and they've connected into our Grace Covenant family. My wife and I have had a couple opportunities to have dinner with them. Actually, uh, I took Marcus and his son Joshua out fishing and I was going to give them a great fishing experience. How old's Joshua? He's 10. So I take Marcus and Joshua fishing, and Joshua catches more fish than either Marcus or I, and he catches the biggest fish. Ten years of age, but we had a great time. But Marcus, his wife Star, have served our church family, being our Foursquare family on the Southeast District as the next gen. So next gen is all about our children and our students. It's about investing in the rising generation. And most recently, he's been promoted to serve as the national next gen directors. That means he's serving our Foursquare family across the United States, investing in the rising generation. Uh, and he is a gifted man of God, um, anointed with the Spirit. He, you are going to be encouraged and blessed by the word that Marcus is going to bring this morning. And we also have, our campus is joining us live this morning. So our East Lincoln campus, our Statesville campus are uh, joining us this morning as Marcus is bringing the word. Would you join me in giving a warm welcome to my friend, Pastor Marcus. Love you, man. God bless you. Praise God. How is everyone this morning? Well, you guys are awake for the early service. That's awesome. Turn to your neighbor really quick while I get set up and tell him it's a great morning. God is so good. I'm excited to open the word with you. Pastor Farrell, obviously he is a man of integrity, and uh, he spoke the truth. My son Joshua outfished all of us on that boat, and it was actually pretty fun, but I'm actually used to it, Pastor Farrell. Something happened, and I want to be honest with you guys. I have prayed and many times about this. Before me and my wife ever had our son, he's our oldest of two, I prayed that he would love fishing because I loved fishing growing up. Now, I prayed and prayed, Lord, I want a boy, and I want him to love fishing. So he gave me a boy, and he loves fishing. He actually loves fishing more than I do. And the problem with that is, any dads out there? My son who loves fishing, all he wants to talk about often is fishing. He's always asking me, Dad, can we go fishing today? Or, Dad, I saw this new pond we passed. Can we go fishing? Can we go fishing? And sometimes I look to the sky and I say, well, thank you, Lord. You answer prayer, right? You are faithful. Well, listen, I am so honored to be here with our Grace Covenant family today. It is, it is not something I just say because it's the right thing to say. It's something I say because I truly mean it. It is a privilege to stand before you. My wife and I and our family have been a part of Grace now for a little over a year. And, you know, there's a couple of things that, that really struck us from the beginning that let us know this was home. How many of you know it's good to come home, to be where you're supposed to be? But I want to do something. We, we've been giving honor to God in worship all morning, but I want to pause and give honor to our pastor, Pastor Farrell. He is a man of God, as many of you know. Uh, I've had a couple opportunities now, as he mentioned, to, to have some time with him. And I was thinking about today and just thinking about the opportunity to, to share the word. And I wanted to publicly honor him because of this. I could tell you about Pastor Farrell's worth ethic, work ethic. As you all know, he works harder than pretty much anyone that I know. Uh, I could tell you about his integrity and how he's just simply an upright and outstanding man. But something that struck me was his constancy, his consistency. He is always the same. 
we had the opportunity to sit with our Foursquare president at dinner. And uh, I, I watch Pastor Farrell because that's the kind of person I am. I watch everyone. I just want to see what you're doing and, and how you respond in certain things. And I watch him. He's just the same as he is with on the boat with my son Joshua. He's just the same as he is when he's right around here. That's a man of true, deep integrity who's confident not in himself but in God. So can we just pause and clap our hands and thank God for our pastor today? Thank you, Pastor Farrell. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, he deserves it. God is good. Praise God. Well, I want us to open our Bibles today to the book of Luke, uh, Luke chapter number six. And as you're turning over to the book of Luke, I want to share some things with you out of the book of Matthew. How many of you, by a show of hands, know that we are living in a, and no pun intended here, but a shaky world right now? There are a lot of things going on in our world. And just this morning, I opened up my iPad and I, I intentionally looked at the top news headlines. And it's interesting that what I saw was all kinds of things, first of all. But there, there's this earthquake that took place in Haiti, a 7.2 earthquake. Many of you know that just recently their president was assassinated. I mean, there's so many things going on there. But that's blaring on the top of the news. Uh, there's also some other things going on. Anyone ever heard of COVID, COVID-19? Is, is that new to Okay, so we, we talked about vaccinations and things of that sort for quite a long time. There, there are people who are worrying if they're going to lose their job, if they do or if they don't, and all these different things. There's just a lot going on in our world. And not to mention, the housing market has really just changed recently, and the, the prices of houses have gone up. And some people are excited because they can live anywhere in the nation, so they're moving, while others are concerned, is this going to be a repeat of 2008 is the bubble going to pop and we're going to see a recession? We, th- these are just some of the things that are at the top of our news right now. We're living in a world that I guess I could say this way is unstable. But I am convinced that Jesus has given us the keys that we need as his people, the body of Christ, to be unshakable. Now, listen, I know that a word like that, when I say we're living in unstable times and I say Jesus teaches us to be uns- unshakable, it, it, can may, it may seem to you like, is, is that even possible? Is it even a reality that I could live a life that is not shaken when everything else is swaying to the left or to the right? But I want to convince you, not from my own words, but from the words of Scripture, that that is true. So can you do this with me? I hope you found Luke chapter 6. If you did, if you did just pause. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's going to be on the screens when we read there. But can we pray together? Can we invite the Holy Spirit to really just unpack his word and teach us as the great teacher does? Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's with great humility that we approach your word. You alone are God. We are not. So we pause before you, submitting our hearts to you. Lord, we ask if there's any distractions, anything in our hearts or our minds that are taking our attention away from what you may be wanting to say to us today, we pray right now that those things be put aside, that our heart's attention would be on you. Lord, give us ears to hear what you would be saying to your church today so that we can take in and apply what you teach us so that we can be unshakable in a shaky world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, as you're there, Luke 6, I want to I talk to you about something out of Matthew before we get there. Matthew chapter number 6 
says something interesting. In, in Matthew, it's, it's beautiful because Jesus is, is going through the Sermon on the Mount. And many of you know in, in, in chapter 5, 6, and 7, he's, he's teaching this amazing teaching to his followers. And he's telling them things that have them in awe, to be honest with you. They're, they're saying he's not like the other teachers that we've heard. He teaches with great confidence and authority, unlike the scribes and the Pharisees. He is someone who speaks this thing as if it's real, because it is. And as he's teaching, he walks through the Beatitudes and he begins to tell them all about different things, different matters of the heart, how to fast and even how to pray. But then in Matthew chapter six, he gets to a point where he talks about this. He says that the subtitle, at least in my Bible, is do not worry. By a show of hands, have anyone in here ever been in a place of worry in your life? Anyone at all? <laughs> I hear a little giggling. It may be that it resonates just a bit, but. I think all of us could say at some point or another, we have been in a place of worry where we've wondered, is everything going to be okay? Are we worried about how we're going to figure these things out? But in Matthew 6, and we'll get to Luke 6 in a moment, but in Matthew 6, Jesus begins to talk to his, his followers. And as he's talking to them, he's telling them this. Listen, there are many things that the world seeks after. But I don't want you to be like the world. I don't want you to worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or or what you're going to wear. Now, this is interesting because let's be honest, as humans, we think about those things quite a bit. In fact, some of you, when I prayed for distractions, you were trying to get Chick-fil-A. Well, Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday, so maybe whatever you have on lunch, on your schedule for lunch, you're trying to get that out of your mind because it's a distraction. You're wondering, what am I going to eat? Or some of you may have been thinking about a meeting that's coming up later this week for work, and how are you going to make sure everything's in alignment? Or, Or you may have been thinking about some other things, but the truth of the matter is we as people, if we're not careful, we're easily distracted by things like what we're going to eat what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear, or listen to this, where are we going to work? What school are our children going to go to? What's going to happen if such and such happens? Are we going to be okay through all of this? What if one of my family members gets sick? There's so many things that we are tempted to worry about. But Jesus is, is, is teaching this teaching, and you can almost imagine everyone just being glued into him, and, and every word they're just hanging on, he's saying, but you do not worry about what you eat or what you drink or what you wear. And he gives these two examples. He says, think about the birds of the air. They fly around here. They're absolutely beautiful, but they don't have jobs. They don't go to college. They don't have careers. And guess what? Your father in heaven takes care of every single one of them. And he says, look at the lilies of the field. Have you ever seen a beautiful flower? I remember in 2003, I was stationed in uh, Great Falls, Montana, in the United States Air Force. And when I was there, uh, Star and I, my wife, we took a trip to Glacier. And uh, oh, my goodness. I remember one morning we got up, and we took a drive and we came around a bend and there was this body of water and behind the body of water was this rolling hill and it was just painted so beautifully with various colored flowers. And it was just like the pictures we see. The reflection of the hill was right on the water, just a duplicate image. It was absolutely stunning. And to this day, one of the most beautiful things I had ever seen. And I just happened to be with the most beautiful woman I had ever seen. So life was really good that day. But let me tell you. I I see these flowers, and they're absolutely beautiful, but notice they don't work for that. They don't do anything to get to be that beautiful. They don't get up in the morning and say, hmm, what should I put on today? No, the Heavenly Father dresses them. And even Solomon, Jesus says, the wealthiest, wisest king of Israel, says even Solomon wasn't arrayed or dressed or clothed like one of these. 
And then Jesus says this, and this is what I wanted to read to you. Matthew chapter 6, he gets all the way down to verse 33, and he says this, But for you, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I don't know about you, but that makes me smile. Look at your neighbor and just smile. Even if some of you still have sleep, you got to kind of contort your face into a smile. It's okay. You can do it. Just look at your neighbor and give him a big smile. Listen to this. Jesus is saying, don't worry about what the world worries about. Don't focus on what the world focuses on. Don't seek after what the world is seeking after. You, as my people, do this instead. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things that the world is chasing after. All those things we just discussed, he simply says, will be added to you. Now, the reason I can't read Luke 6 yet is because I feel like we have to unpack this just a bit so we can set it up perfectly so we can drive this plane home. Listen to this. If Jesus is speaking to his people and he's explaining to them that their focus should not be on the things of the world, but on the kingdom of God, we ask this question. How is that possible? How can I truly make a decision to get my attention off of those things and onto the things of God? Listen to what it says here. But seek First, you know, this would be a different verse if Jesus just said, but seek. But notice he puts in first, denoting sequence. So now everything else that we may seek after has to fall in line behind what he's going to say next. But seek first the kingdom of God. This word kingdom is an interesting word because it's it's literally the king's domain or the king's rule or realm or the place of his authority. Jesus is saying this essentially. Seek first the king's domain. Well, who is the king? Well, God is. Seek first God's domain and his right way of doing things. And when you do this, everything else will simply be added to you. Any mathematicians in here? (laughs) I don't even see one hand. Wow, okay. (laughs) Maybe that's just not our gift or our strength. That's okay. Listen to this. When I was in school, I I didn't particularly love math. I was talking to my son about it the other day. I said, Dad had a tutor. I had a friend of ours from our church. He was a banker, and he loved math. And he would come over and teach me algebra. And, I mean, there would be times of frustration and burnt-up erasers. I mean, I'm trying to learn this stuff. But I told my son, as I dug into it and as I began to learn and, and practice with variables and things of this sort, I actually got familiar with it, and I actually began to enjoy it. But I can be honest with you. Is it okay if we're honest in church? I think that's what we should be, right? Honest everywhere. But the truth is, I would prefer addition any day over over some of these other things. When you start talking about variables and equations and things, to me, addition was just a little more simple. Can anybody say amen to that? <laughs> so when Jesus speaks in terms like this, he's speaking to people like me. When he says, if you seek first, I understand priority, I understand first in sequence. So if you seek first my kingdom, my domain, my rule, my reign, and my right way of doing things, I'm going to simply add all that other stuff to you. That clicks in me. I get it. Because I realize that if I keep my attention on him instead of on those things, his promise is as I'm focusing on him, he's focusing on me and supplying my need according to his riches and glory. Listen, I don't know about you. Maybe you're in a place you don't need God to supply things for you. But I tell you this, I've walked through life long enough to know that there are things in my life that I just can't do for myself. 
There are things in my life where I have to pause and say, Lord, if you're not in this, then I am completely lost. And he's saying back to me, Marcus, all I need you to do is give me your attention. Focus first on my kingdom and watch what I will do in your life. Now, let's get back to our question. The question of, yeah, but how? You guys find Luke chapter 6 yet? I was giving you all the time I could, but we got to get there eventually. Luke chapter 6, go ahead and look down at verse number 46. I believe that this is some key insight into how we can seek first the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 6, verse 46, we're still in this Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is getting ready to, to, to land this plane here soon, but he's, he's really talking about some of the nitty-gritty. And listen to what Jesus says. He asked one of the most pointed questions you could ever ask to people who are following you. Listen to what he says. Luke chapter 6, verse number 46, Jesus says this. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Ouch. (laughs) Have you ever had someone ask you a direct question and you're kind of speechless when they ask you? uh, You know, let me think about that, right? Jesus says, why do you call me your Lord, but you don't do the things that I say? Now, see, in English, this is a, a very powerful question. But that word Lord there, I took some time to do a little word study, and I won't bore you with all the semantics and, and all those things, but I, I will give you this. This, this word Lord is transliterated, uh, literally taking a, a text and writing it in another language by using the most corresponding letters from a different language to make it make sense in yours. So we, they transliterated this, this word Lord, or, and, they, and it came out with the word kurios, kurios. Listen, I'll give you a simple definition of this word. This word kurios can mean this, master, owner, controller, or decision maker. Let me say those one more time. Master, owner, controller, or decision maker. So listen to this question again with me filling in some of these words. Jesus is speaking to the people who have been following him, and he says this, Why do you call me your master? Why do you call me your owner? Why do you call me your controller? Listen to this one. Why do you call me your decision maker? And you don't even do the things that I say. (laughs) That's a tough question, isn't it? Why do you call me your Lord, but you don't do the things that I say? You know, I've been amazed in the course of my life how many times... I've chosen to do what I believe Jesus was asking of me. And in doing so, I've seen God blow the doors off of things. How many of you know that sometimes when you obey God, it doesn't make sense up here? Sometimes when you're following after what you believe God is leading you into, your heart or your mind may say, well, I I don't see how that's going to play out. I don't see how that's going to work. But again, notice what Jesus is saying. If I am truly the Lord of your life, then you no longer are. One person, one person felt that. <laughs> one person felt that. If I am truly, if you truly gave me your life, then I truly took it. And when I took it, I gave you a new life in Christ. But the key here is in this new life, you no longer live for yourself, but you live for the one who loved you enough to die for you And you live for him as your master. 
owner, controller, decision maker. I love that Jesus didn't just end his teaching right here because he could have. He could have said, all right, go home, have a good day, think about that, I'll see you soon. But he gives us some insight here on how we can be those kind of people who make him our master, owner, controller, and decision maker. Let's keep reading here. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 47, he says, whoever comes to me, hears my sayings, and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So notice again, Jesus is saying, if you call me your Lord, you should do the things that I say. And in fact, let me give you an example. This is how this works. The person who has a solid, unshakable life is the person who comes to Jesus, hears what Jesus is saying, and then takes it a step further and actually does it. But then he contrasts that and compares that with the life of a person who decides to come to Jesus, hear what Jesus is saying, but they don't do it. And he says, one of those people took the time to dig deep. Anybody ever dug a hole? (laughs) It's fun to dig when you're in in, in soft soil, right? Oh, this is great. You know the sound it makes? You know what I'm talking about? Just, it's a great day, just gardening, right? Just out here working on my yard. But have you ever dug through hard dirt? Man, you just want to get yourself a pick and just go to town. I mean, this stuff is hard. Can we bring in some heavy moving equipment, something? This is, this is hard dirt. Listen, how many of you know digging deep is hard work? But notice what Jesus says. The person who takes the time to dig deep and keep digging and keep digging until they hit that solid rock. You know the difference? You hear the but then ting. You ever heard the ting? Ting. Something happens. You're exhausted with this. Oh my goodness. Ting. Hey, right? Now you're excited because you hit the bedrock. Jesus is saying the person who takes the time to dig so deep that they hit the foundation, the bedrock, and they clear that out and they say, now this is where I'm going to anchor my life. This is what I want to make sure I'm standing and planted on. I'm going to now begin to build upward because I've taken the time to build downward until I hit what was solid. I used to live in California. I was born and raised there. And I remember I was driving through Anaheim right next to Anaheim Stadium and I saw these huge fences they were building. It was a construction site. And I saw these fences, and, and there was this huge sign that caught my attention. It was, it was beautiful, actually, now that I think about it. It said this. It said, pardon our mess. We're digging deep to rise high. And I thought, that's so good. See, the person who's willing to dig deep, to do the hard work, to sweat, to do whatever it takes, or let's put it in terms we understand, The person who's willing to come to church consistently, 
The person who's willing to listen and lean in as Pastor Pharaoh is teaching us and discipling us through the word of God. The person who's willing to open their Bibles at home and read and find out what Jesus is really saying. And and anything they find in the word that contradicts how they're living, they say it's not the word that needs to change, it's me that needs to change. The person who's willing to say, I'll do what Jesus said over and over and over again is the person who's laying their life on the solid rock. They're digging deep so they can rise high. And as they rise high, the storms of life will come. Anybody ever been in a storm? (laughs) I'm not talking about the weather we see with our eyes. Anybody ever been in a storm in your life? Listen. When you're in the midst of that storm, it's not that it doesn't hurt. It's not that the, the, the waves and the wind are not beating violently and vehemently against your house, against your life. They're beating, but listen to the promise of God. If you do these things, you will not be shaken. You see, too many people find themselves in a place where they think they're strong. Well, yeah, I go to church every once in a while. I mean, doesn't Christmas and Easter count? And I, yeah, I talk about Jesus sometime, you know, when I'm at home by myself in the bathroom. It's all good. And then as soon as the storm comes, what happened to Joe? Joe got swept away because there was no foundation. He built on the sand. But Jesus is teaching us to be unshakable. Raise your hand if you want to be unshakable in your life. If you want to be that kind of person who says, I want to dig deep. I want to do the hard work. Listen, it takes hard work, but it is worth it. So Jesus is teaching us here. Now, this is not some mean Jesus who's saying, yeah, come to me, hear what I'm saying and do what I want you to do. Ha 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 ha. No, no. It's the same Jesus in Matthew 11 who said this. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Listen to this. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. See, it's that Jesus that's calling us gently to come. Come to me. He wants us to hear his sayings. He says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. It's that same Jesus that in John 10 is the good shepherd who cares for his sheep and lays down his life for his sheep. The Jesus that's asking you to do these things is not some type of dictatorial leader or some slave driver. No, he's the same Jesus that tells us when you do what I say, I'm going to help you to be solid. In James 1.22, he says this, the word is clear. It says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only. Listen to this part, deceiving yourself. Did you notice it didn't say we're deceiving God? He's not deceived by our antics. (laughs) But we deceive ourselves when we just come to Jesus, hear what he's saying, and then we choose not to do it. That Jesus that's so lowly and gentle is saying, come, come to me time and time and time again. Hear what I'm telling you to do. Hear my right ways of living and then apply those in your life. That's the only way you will be unshakable. Ladies and gentlemen, it's possible, but it takes hard work. It takes hard work. Now, we started by talking about seeking first the kingdom of God. Tell you a fun story. I remember when I was in middle school, uh, the older I get, the longer ago that was. But I remember being in middle school. And um, when I was in middle school, I used to walk to school and I would see these older kids riding their bikes to school. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever to ride your bike to school. I thought, man, I want to ride my bike to school. So I went home one day and I said, Mom, can can I ride my bike to school? 
She said, I, I'm not sure. Let me think about it. So a couple of weeks went by, and she goes, you know what? You can. You can ride your bike, and I bought you this lock. So she gave me this chain and this lock, and it was a, a combination lock. Anybody ever used a combination lock? And she told me, she said, I didn't want you to lose the key, so I got you a combination lock. And I was like, great. So I'm trying to remember this, 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 these three digit or these three separate numbers so that I can unlock my lock at the end of the day, you know? So I get to school and I lock up my bike and I'm like, look at me, big boy riding my bike to school. And I go to school, nothing else changed. I mean, I went to school just like normal. And I remember sixth period coming and I was a little nervous for some reason. And the reason was because in my head, I started scrambling the numbers. So I had always been taught you don't write the numbers down because what if somebody else finds it? And all that. So I just was like, okay, uh, I, 35, 27, 15, or was it 15, 35, 27, or maybe it was, I don't know, you know, and I'm trying to figure this out. So I get out to my bike, and I'm just going to town. I'm turning this lock, and what do you turn to the left first, and then land on that number, turn three times to the right, land on this number, and I'm trying to figure this out, and I'm so mad. I'm thinking, who made this? They obviously don't know what they're doing. This is crazy. And every time I put in those numbers, I finally figured out these are the numbers, but I didn't have the order right. So I'd put the numbers in, and they were the right numbers, but in the wrong order. And guess what? The lock wouldn't open. I had all the right pieces, but the order was wrong. See, it wasn't until I finally tried enough, probability says and eventually I'll get it right, I tried enough and I got the numbers in the right, please hear me, sequential order. When I got them in the right order, it unlocked. Oh, somebody needs to hear this this morning. When Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, you can't just put him into the mix of everything else you're seeking. You put him into the mix. You say, but Jesus, you're in there somewhere. I have all the things here. You're there somewhere, right? It will not unlock for you. You will deceive yourself thinking, oh, yeah, I'm solid. I got Jesus in the mix. He's one of the ingredients in my life. And when that storm comes, not if the storm comes, when the storm comes, we'll tell who's solid or not. But when we choose to put Jesus in his rightful place, he will only be first. When we choose to put him there, something unlocks in your life. You all of a sudden are grounded in such a way. Yes, hard times come. Yes, we all experience them. I am not ever communicating to you that we don't. Jesus said those who love him will suffer persecution. This is just a part of life. We have hard times and we have people problems. But there's a difference between a solid believer and the rest of the world. When we're solid, we stand strong knowing that even though a righteous man falls seven times, God is always there to get him up again. No matter what happens, I know that I'm solid because I'm standing on his word. But seek first the kingdom of God. How? By coming to Jesus, hearing what he's saying, and doing that. Listen, not just one time, but over and over and over again for the rest of your life. That's how we become unshakable in the midst of a shaky world. Can anybody say amen to that? This is what I want to pray, because as I was preparing, I was praying and saying, Lord, how? How do you want this to look? That's a question I've learned to ask the Lord every morning. Lord, how do you want this to look? How do you want this day to look? And I wrote down some things here that I feel are important to pray about. One is for salvation. Uh, I don't know everyone in this room, and I'm assuming that you don't know all know me. I'm glad you're here, though. I <laughs> hope you feel the same way. <laughs> 
But the truth of the matter is, there could be one, two, or even ten people in this room who have not yet made Jesus the Lord of their lives. And let's be honest. I don't know your backstory, but mine is, simply put, I tried my own way for a long time. And man, storm after storm came, and I fell and was tossed and tumbled in the waves over and over again. But it wasn't until I decided to make him the Lord of my life that everything began to change. So there may be people in this room who have not given their lives to the Lord, so I want to obviously give an opportunity for that. But also here, I wrote down a couple more things. I put here, many of us have latched on to other things. And the the three things that I felt like were important, uh, Holy Spirit highlighting to me, was one, our careers. And if I can speak for a moment specifically to the men, there's there's an unspoken pressure in this world that there's certain levels you have to get to. There's certain things you must achieve or else you're not a real man or you're not you're not providing the way you should. And I just want to tell you, honestly, the realest man you'll ever find is a man who recognizes that he will only ever come second place to the lordship of Jesus. A man who realizes that if Jesus is not the Lord, it doesn't matter how much money I make, how far I go in my career. None of that really matters. I put here, many of us have latched on to other things. One of those things are yourself. Some of you have had hard lives or you've just learned through your life that, hey, I got to take care of myself. I'm the only one that's going to provide and take care of me. No matter what, I won't open up. I got this. And then lastly, some of us are trying to uphold an image. An image of something. Maybe it's the community you live in. Everyone drives these type of cars or has this type of home or you're trying to make sure you fit. Listen, but seek first. See, it's not that some of the other things, what you eat and drink and wear are not important. They just can't be first. But seek first the kingdom of God and his right way of doing things. And all those things the world seek will simply be added to you. Can we do this? Can we stand on our feet today? You come to church and you're expecting to see, as normal, an extremely handsome man of God named Pastor Farrell up here. And you get here and it's me, right? And you're like, why did I come today? (laughs) But listen, the Holy Spirit knew before you did that you would be here. Yeah. Doesn't matter how long you've been saved. Doesn't matter if you're not yet saved. Every time... The word of God is open. I tried this. I I prayed these simple prayers. Lord, teach me. Then I try to lean in because I'm convinced that I don't know everything and that he does. And sometimes it may be something that the preacher says, or sometimes it may not be anything the preacher says, but just being in an atmosphere where the word of God is being taught, where people of faith are are leaning in, sometimes just being in that atmosphere, the Holy Spirit speaks things to us, and we recognize, that's me. He's talking to me. You know what I love about God? He's not like this. He's like this. So if he highlights those kind of things to you, it's not so you can feel condemned and guilty. It's because he loves you enough, and he wants you to get that out of the way so there's nothing between you and him. So as we stand here today, 
I'd venture to say that every single one of us, and both my hands are up, that every single one of us has things in our lives that we realize, man, somehow, someway, that's taken the place of Lord. That's seated. I got the right stuff, but they're in the wrong order. And for those of you who have not yet given your life to Jesus, you may be in this place and you came here because someone invited you or, I don't know, you just thought, I'll try something different today. But you're here. God knows you're here. He loved you before you came. And he loves you now. And even now he's inviting you to simply say, okay, I'm going to surrender this all. I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my life. So can we do this? I want to ask us all to close our eyes. And let's take a moment to think about whatever that may be, something that's in your life that you realize is in the first place instead of Jesus. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray out loud over you, but I want to ask you just to pray. You don't have to be loud enough to where everyone can hear you, but even under your breath to pray and talk to God and tell God the truth. Lord, I've put this in your place. Confess that as sin. Lord, that's wrong. That's not right. So today I'm surrendering that and I'm putting you back in your rightful place. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word today. What a privilege. Lord, I thank you for this family, the Grace Covenant family, people of God who love you and desire to, to grow in godliness. Lord, whatever those things are, whether it be one or many that have taken your rightful place, Lord, we stop and say that's wrong. We actually confess that as sin. We repent and turn away from that, and we turn to you. We choose even now to put you in your rightful place as the Lord, the master, the owner, the controller, the decision maker in our lives. And Lord, we ask that you help us by the power of your spirit to keep you in the first place. Lord, I pray for those in this place who are who have been focused on their careers so much that they've lost focus of you. Lord, I pray that you would remind them even now that you are the provider, that you are the supplier, that if they seek first the kingdom of God, you'll take care of them. Lord, I pray for those in this place right now who are hungry for you. They've searched this world and have come up empty time and time again, and they want to surrender their lives to you. I pray that even now they're simply saying that, Lord, I surrender. I surrender. I want Jesus as my Lord. I turn away from my old life and I turn to you. Lord, I pray for those who are trying to uphold an image that their whole world has been centered around just maintaining that image. I pray that even now we let that go and say, Lord, I just want to be in your image. (laughs) You created me in your image. So, Lord, let me just shine for you in everything that I do, no matter what anyone else says. And lastly, Lord, if there's anyone in this place who has made themselves the Lord of their lives. I pray that they'd humble themselves and say, no, not anymore. It's all you, Jesus. So, Father, we receive your forgiveness and your grace. Yes. We say thank you that you've cleansed us, made us new. Thank you, Lord, for those who have called out to you as their Savior, turning from their sin. Lord, I thank you that they're new creations in you and that from this point on we choose to make you the Lord of our lives. In Jesus' name. And we all say? Amen. Amen. Let's clap our hands and thank our God today. What a good word. What I've discovered in my life 
is that salvation is a one-time experience, but this issue of lordship is every day. So every day as I start my day, Jesus, it's you that I'm seeking. Because lordship, what we're, we're embracing it. Every, I don't have to get saved every day. That's the good news. I'm secure in my salvation, but lordship is really an issue of every day. God, I choose to make you first in my life today. And then sometimes I stumble through my day. Anyone else stumble through your day? And I get up the next morning and I say, Lord, I embrace your grace. I thank you that your mercies are new to me every morning. I embrace your lordship. I'm making you first in my life today. And that's the ongoing process of opening our lives to the goodness of God. Well, it's been great to have our campuses join us. Marcus, great work. Can we tell our campuses, our church family in East Lincoln and Statesville, can we just thank them for joining us this morning? For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.